Country, the catch, Scarlet Queen, Philip Carney, master. Position, 120 degrees, 29 minutes east, 14 degrees north. Wind, light, sky overcast. Remarks, departed port of Manila, 9 a.m. after canceling shore leave for crew. Reason for unscheduled departure, the barefoot nymph in the Mother Hubbard jacket. that we raised the island of Luzon on the eastern horizon and stood in toward Manila. I swung the Scarlet Queen a little north of her course, and we passed close under the rocks of Corregidor. Every eye on our decks was turned toward the squat fortifications for a minute. By this time, they were covered with jungle growth again and were loudly silent in the manner of monuments that hold the stories of men who made them monuments. Beyond the island, we could see the steaming mass of Batan, and we swung back into Manila Bay. Manila should have been a friendly, relaxing port for all of us. It meant a break in our voyage under charter to Canyon Sun. To my crewmen, it meant the longest shore leave they'd had since we left San Francisco. And girls who knew what that meant to American seamen. My chief mate, Gallagher, it was like a home state picnic. The harbor was jammed with freighters and tankers from the states. That meant that the Belanga Street bars were jammed with their crews. And that meant that Gallagher was jammed in with them, running into old friends and making new ones. Manila should have been a holiday. And it was for three days and two nights. At 10 o'clock the third night, I was in the cabin alone, thumbing through the latest hydrographic bulletin I'd been able to find in town. When I heard somebody running down the dock toward the Queen. Brad! <laughs> What's the matter? Her husband show up? What's up, Red? Come on, calm down. What's the automatic play off? With this guy? Come on, give it to me, Red. Get away from me, Skip. You're off, you're not. What happened? Who'd you kill? The president? I might if he gets in the way. Gallagher! mate in an automatic loose in Manila. There wasn't much time for the hydrographic bulletin. I closed it, locked my desk, and went out after him. And so Mutual continues The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, written by Gil Dowd and Bob Tolman, and starring Elliot Lewis. The Scarlet Queen, proudest ship to plow the seas, bound for uncharted adventure. Every week, a complete entry in the log. And every week, a league further in the strange voyage of the Scarlet Queen. When Gallagher is being pushed by temper or is in a hurry, he walks as though he's working up against the incline of a pitching deck in a body bends forward from a point almost as low as his feet. His shoulders pull up protectively on each side of his head, and his arms barely swing in short arcs. I followed him up to Butani Street, across the railroad track, through the park on Ambil and Dewey Boulevard, and to the left on Malanga. We passed three bars, and I could hear the fourth from a half a block away. The dimly lighted sign that hung outside said Victory Cabaret. 
But judging from the din of battle that poured out at us as we approached, somebody's been a little premature in naming. The remaining activity was going on in the center of what was left of a large bar room. Why? Maybe it'll help you. 
It started out to be an evening of just fun for Peterson, too, didn't it? I'm sorry, Skip. All right. Now, is there something else you'd like to talk about? No, I guess you've said everything.
wondered what she'd say now about involving her name when it was to clear red. I had a few answers for that. And I was working on a few things to say to Gallagher for standing there in that alley with a murder weapon in his hand when we pulled up in front of the house. By the time I reached the door, I knew it was no good. It was 1 a.m., but I had a hunch that Bologna, the day hadn't ended. Well, well, Skipper. I hope it isn't too late. It never is at my house. Come on in. She had a sort of breathless expression when she talked to me. The corners of her mouth were drawn up slightly into a bare trace of a smile. Her lips were always separated, just a little. Her eyes were warm and brown. She led me through a short hall and down three steps into a large, carelessly furnished room. She was dressed in a hostess gown of some light, clinging material. Her hair went with her eyes and hung just short of shoulder length. Her feet were bare. We crossed the room, went into a den. It had a tile floor, low, wide bamboo furniture, wide screened windows that looked out onto a side garden. This is my favorite room. Do you like it? Yeah, great. But I don't think you really like rooms. Some men don't. Sit down. Uh-huh. No, no, no. Hmm? You see my abstractions. I paint a little. Over here on the chair. Here. You've been drinking? I thought I'd mix one for you. I haven't been drinking, and I'd like one. All right. How'd you know I'd be back? Because I asked you. I didn't hear you. I didn't ask you with words. I asked you with me. Oh. You're an amazing little creature. Why are you looking at me like that? Huh? You've changed so many times tonight, but I can't stay abreast of it. I change all the time, so I won't become monotonous. That's the only way I can stand myself. Which one of me do you like the best? This one. Barefooted. With your hair down. I was brushing my hair when you rang the bell. I don't think many women do, but I love my hair.
Make mine weaker than yours, will you, Phil? I'd put it the other way. I'll make mine stronger than yours. It makes you happier that way. I'm willing. Oh. Better get this glass off the deck unless you expect me to carry you around the rest of the night. How long are you going to be in Manila, Skipper? Oh, I don't know. I wish it was going to be for a long time. Yeah, it might be. Still, listen to me. I've got to say this. You've got to know I mean it. Mm-hmm. Happens, but it never happened to me, and now I think it could. I could fall in love. <laughs> don't laugh at me. <laughs> don't joke. I'm not joking. For the first time in my life, I think it could happen. I'm sure you mean that as a great compliment. Somehow it doesn't hit me. Oh, Phil, why are you acting like this? Because I don't believe you. I've never had any reason to believe you because I've gotten nothing but lies from you ever since I met you. But I'm not lying. Why are you treating me like this? What other way is there? You're a great little animal to have around the house, but you're only safe when you're out in front where somebody can watch you. All right, Phil. Maybe you know what you're trying to say. So do you. For one thing, you killed Peterson. I did not. You were lying, man. You said he was shot from outside the window, and he wasn't. He was shot by somebody inside the room. You were the only one there. I didn't kill him. Now, don't think I haven't enjoyed your so alluring hospitality. But the smiling, spontaneous welcome I got at the door doesn't hold water. Because I'll bet you my ship that you knew I was on the prowl and probably heading this way 40 minutes before I got here, and you heard it from the bartender at the Victory Cabaret. I saw him go to the phone. What are you supposed to do? Hold me here? And for why? What do you want, Phil? I want my chief mate. I'll trade you or anybody else in on him. Oh, Phil, why did you wait? If you suspected these things, why did you go through with the sham of life? All I want is my chief mate. If you don't start doing something about it, I will. All right, Phil. I have to make a couple of calls. The phone's in the other room. You carry me. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Was the deal, was it? Uh, I wonder why it had to be this way, Phil. I don't know. I don't know what your game is, and I don't care, but you were in it before I went. Phil, Red was only a coincidence. Really, he was. Uh-huh. He just happened to know Chris Peterson and sit down with him. And then the stupid redhead, he had to go out the window and find that gun and be standing there when the police showed up. So then Delkey had the brainstorm and twisted Who's the Delkey story. The yes, he told the cops that Gallagher instead of Mason had made the pass at me. That started the whole thing. Anyone after Peter? Yeah, yeah. All right, here's your phone. Do you believe me, sir? How in the devil should I know when to believe you and when not to? I told you I don't care. All I want is my chief mate. When I get him, I'll believe anything. Gallagher was just supposed to stall things until Mason could get back to the States. He was leaving in the morning. I was supposed to hold you until his ship... All was. right, fine. Let him find somebody else for a stall. Where are you going to start with, the chief of police? <laughs> afraid the police think even less of me than you do. We have to settle this between Ralph Mason and Delkey and myself. You're going to bring him out here? Or else. Hmm. Looks like I'm going to be outnumbered, doesn't it? I stood by her when she made her calls. As far as I could figure, they were straight. Just strong invitations to get to the house as quickly as possible. Then she made a typical exit into another part of the house, and I went back to the den. I thought the least I could do was to get rid of the jagged edges of our brief and hypocritical romance, so I got a bar towel 
and pushed the broken glass under the couch. When she came in, she'd gone through another complete change. She was dressed like her front lawn, primly, informal, in beige black, topped by an over-modest jacket, buttoned high around her throat, and hanging loosely like a Mother Hubbard to her waist. It shouldn't be long, Phil. Maybe we could have a neat one while we wait. Yeah, sure, sit down. Incidentally, I don't like your new character. It's all right for the time of night, isn't it? I guess so. I think I ought to warn you, Phil. Mason is dangerous. He'll try to buy you off first. Buy me off for what? I'll try to talk you into... Do you want to go to the door with me? Or do you trust me enough to let me meet them? I can't think of anybody I ever trusted less. Go ahead. This is Ralph Mason, and I believe you said that you'd met Mr. Delkin. Yeah. yeah. What's on your mind, Connie? My chief mate. I want him out of jail. I got enough on that mess in the Victory Cabaret to tell a pretty good story. It's a pretty good story the way it stands. Cops like it. They won't by the time I get through with it. Just one thing. The glass from that window that was supposed to have been broken from the outside. None of it's inside the room where it should be. I think that's enough since they arrested Gallagher standing on the outside looking in, it might be. Even Manila cops should change their mind on that one. That uh, story could wait, couldn't it? Not the way I see it, no. Here's your hat, mate. Don't be rude. What's your price, Connie, to leave your mate in the jug until we're clear of this? Well, the truth, you can get him out any time. It's pretty high. I'm leaving tomorrow. I'll start with $15,000. I don't think you can go high enough, Mason. You might as well quit. All I need is a patsy, and I don't care who it is. May I say something, Ralph? I don't quite see why we have to bargain with Captain Connie. You didn't hesitate about Peterson after his double-cross, Ralph. Now Captain Connie is in the way. When you hate, you hate real good, don't you? It's business, Captain. I use such bad judgment when I offer to let you join our little organization. You what? What are you talking about? Captain Connie has a ship that would fit into our inter-island work. I'm so afraid I made a mistake. I explained the type of contraband that was coming in from the States, the prices we were getting for it, and how there were opportunities for a man like him. I'm so sorry. He led me to believe that he was interested. You're a sucker for men, Lona. You found Peterson, too. That cost us $30,000 worth of stateside liquor in three months to get it over here. Peterson sold it on his own. Not quite on his own, Ralph. He didn't have any contacts here. Who was in with him? Well... I was his very best friend in Manila. Why, you dirty... Mason shoved his chair out of the way behind him as he got up and started reaching inside his coat for a shoulder hole. That's when the Mother Hubbard jacket lifted a little on the right side and Lona's manicured hand pulled a belly gun from the waistband of her slack. Spoke twice, quickly and effectively. And Mason stiffened. And his right hand stopped an inch away from his gun butt. And he toppled slowly backward across his overturned chair. Don't ask one question. I have this all worked out. But, Lona... You can solve the murder in your cabaret. You take Mason down to the police. Tell him the story of how the glass is on the wrong side of the window. You tell him you captured Mason single-handed and you'll gain a whole lot of new customers. Well, they believe me, Lona. It's the truth, isn't it? And here's the gun you captured him with to prove it. Now get him out of here. Good heavens. Look at that I wonder what this all meant, Phil. 
what, Lana? This thing we lived through. It's been important, hasn't it? Yeah, slightly. Two guys didn't make it. Oh, that isn't what I mean. We did move everything and make this little room the center of the world, didn't we? I wish I knew what you meant. You wonder if I'm still in love with you, don't you? Candidly, by this time, I don't know what I wonder. Well, I could be, Phil. I'm afraid it's impractical. You just hold me. Just once more. Tell me once more. Beautiful, Lola. And I'll always remember the glasses, Phil. It's getting late. You'll have to go. Well, well couldn't we have one more drink? Oh, no, I wouldn't dare. Got to put my hair in braids and straighten the house up. My husband is coming home Your in the husband? morning. He worries so about me. I have to have everything done. Your husband? So. Where is he? Oh, he has gold mines in Mindoro. He's much older than I am. But he's rich. He allows me to stay here in Manila with my hobbies. Goodbye, Captain Carney. By nine that morning, Gallagher had been released. I'd rounded up the rest of my men and we slipped away from our berth and headed out through Manila Bay. We picked up a moist, hot wind at the mouth. Every man bare to the waist and glistening wet. Even the mainsail looked tired as it struggled up the mainmast and reached hopefully out for a pulling breeze. They didn't move smartly, but the jib crawled out. Then the mizzen boom swung sullenly over my head. The Queen rolled slowly down towards Verde Island Passage, the Sabuyan Sea beyond. Well, I had a good rest last night, but it looks like I'm the only one aboard the dish. Oh, lay off, Ray. Look at that crew. It's a disgrace. I'm half a mind to send them all to Holy Stone in the deck from bow to stern. Take over, will you, Red? Oh, not on your life. This is your watch, and I'm going to take my exercise. That Manila jail air is invisible. Oh, lay off, will you, Red? Don't forget, I was sitting in the cabin with a hydrographic bulletin when you busted in. <laughs> take it easy, Skipper. Go on below. I'll take your trip. Ah, the devil you will. Just wait you call aboard the next time. And don't think you haven't done it before. I'll hand you some <laughs> What are my chances in the next port? Fair, and I'll be waiting for you. It's Matpate. Matpate. Mm-hmm. What do you know about that jail? Nothing. And uh, before I take a nap... Huh? What is your outstanding recollection of the capital of the Philippines? Some broken glass I pushed under a bamboo couch. <laughs> and I wonder what her husband said to say. Uh, it's funny you mention that, Skipper. Yeah? I met her husband in jail. He was in for murder. But he killed a wife? No. The smooth-talking stranger. <laughs> Drink, Skipper. He killed the wrong one. After you, mate. After you. Queen, 5.30 p.m. Miles traveled from San Francisco, 